right, good evening. Welcome to our Sunday night service. Good to have each one of you with us tonight. We have a missionary presentation tonight. An exciting night to be here in church. 425 in the blue hymnals. 425 seeking the lost. Yes, kindly entreating. Wanders on the mountain astray. Hymn 425. please as we sing that second stanza seeking the lost and pointing to Jesus house of the Lord. Great to have you here and good time right now to welcome those around you. sing that last stanza 425 thus I would go on missions of mercy on the last stanza 425 thus I would
let's uh, pray. We need God's blessing on our service tonight. Uh, Aaron, lead us in prayer, please. Pray, Lord, that you help us be seeking the lost and that we would point them to Jesus, Lord. I pray that our testimonies would be consistent and faithful to you. Pray, Lord, you bless through preaching of your word tonight. May we grow closer to you as a result of it. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can take your hymnals and turn to him. 427, one page over. Far, far away in heathen darkness dwelling, millions of souls forever may be lost, 427. Bye. 
Thursday at 1.30, there will be a special recital here for our Academy Junior High and High School students as they prepare for an upcoming uh, fine arts competition. And so if you'd like to, are available and would like to come and watch them and encourage them in that way, encourage you to do that. That'll be Thursday at 1.30 right here at the church building. And so that will be a great uh, opportunity for our young people. Also, Thursday night will be a special bridal shower for Annie Hames. That's at 6 o'clock. And let me just encourage, if you plan to attend that, please let Emily Knipple know so that they can plan accordingly for the food and cake. So that was, is Thursday night at 6 o'clock. Uh, Friday night will be an exciting night at Kids Club, Parents Night. And I just want to, uh, Tyler wanted me to mention that parents are encouraged to come. And Lord willing, there will be a number of visiting families as well. So it will be a great opportunity for us as parents to be able to interact and reach out to them. So exciting night at Kids Club on Friday night. And uh, Saturday, looking forward to our Wood Day. And I was thinking we could have your birthday party out there. Oh, man, Pastor. that'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> Pastor's birthday is coming up, so maybe we could celebrate that at the Woodpile on Saturday at 9 o'clock. <laughs> we do have flyers for our men's breakfast that's coming up, and it has a special father-son emphasis on March 16th. So work hard now and be inviting folks, and let's see a great group of men out for that special breakfast. And then I just also want to highlight our special meetings uh, leading up to Easter, that Wednesday, Thursday, and Good Friday before uh, Easter Sunday, uh, Pastor Billy Ingram will be here preaching, and I uh, encourage you to plan to be here for those meetings. Those will be at 6.30 each night, and just a great uh, time to focus on what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. And I uh, just also wanted to mention in March, I'll get, we'll be getting you some more details, but leading up to that, we're going to have some special outreach and Canvas Times in preparation for those meetings and Easter uh, Resurrection Sunday. So I just wanted to highlight that. Please turn to him, 436, bring them in, bring the wandering ones to Jesus, 436 in the blue hymn. please let's sing that third stanza out in the desert hear their cry we'll start off just a little bit slower then we'll pick it up on heart tis the master
there will be a plate at the back of the auditorium, and that plate will be uh, offering, glove offering for our missionary, so make sure you keep that in mind and uh, prepare for that as uh, um, you go out, this, out of the auditorium tonight. Okay, uh, let's pray for this uh, offering that we'll worship God with it. Heath, lead us in prayer.
take your hymn, let's turn to hymn 421. Hymn 421, out in the darkness of sin, they are waiting, lost and away from the fold. Go tell the untold millions, 421. come now and uh, give us your presentation, and he's going to tell us uh, lots of different things about uh, what the Lord's doing, so come on up here, and, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, your presentation, and we're glad that you're here. Amen. Praise the Lord. So as I mentioned this morning, we are the, um, I'm Nathaniel, this is my wife Amanda, we're the Wasson family, Othniel and Evangeline is in the, uh, the nursery. We, are to, we plan to base out of uh, Bethel, Alaska, which is 400 miles north of Anchorage. Somebody asked me, and I had to look up today, how far it is from... Um, my mind just went blank. That other town in central Alaska. Um, Fairbanks. Fairbanks, thank you. Sorry, I should know that. But it, it is about 525 miles um, west of, of Fairbanks, roughly. Um, so it's right up there in that part of, the, of Alaska. It's the Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta specifically is the, is the area we plan to work in. That is an area about the size of the state of Missouri as far as land mass. Um, in that, there's about 25,000 people. 
So per capita, not that many people. Um, that being said, there's, there's villages spread throughout, sprinkled throughout the whole area. Um, roughly 55 villages, depending on how you count it, a couple more. Um, and our desire, our goal is to um, base out of Bethel and to work in those villages and to, um, in time, start a church in one of those villages as the Lord leads there. There's a church in Bethel. Um, Brother Claypool, you will see him on the, on the video in just a minute. He is currently the pastor of that church. He went up there as a missionary to work in the villages. The pastor of the church suddenly died. He had a heart attack, just literally upped and died one day. Um, so it was take the church or the church is going to close. So Brother Claypool took the church. And just because of that, he doesn't get out that much anymore. So our desire, our goal is to help in the church there as much as we can, but to primarily uh, branch out and focus on the villages. Um, that being said, they're also um, hoping to start building a new church building there in Bethel. Um, this summer, hopefully, someone about a month ago um, anonymously donated $100,000 for that, um, which was a huge, huge blessing for them. They're in uh, fairly decent need of a, of a new building. The building they currently have is two uh, World War II Quonset huts. They drug across the river in 52, set it up as a temporary church building, be a couple years, and they'd build a, build a new building. Well, it's 2024, and it's the same building. So it's been patched and repatched and repatched and repatched, and there's not a whole lot left of it. Um, one of the major problems up there with buildings are they shift drastically. So the, the floor in, in both Quonset huts is, is pretty rough. The one um, in the length of the Quonset hut, which is 40 feet, I believe, it has about two feet of uh, drop right in the floor um, just because they, they can't level it. And that's, that's, that's what they have. It works. Um, and uh, they're, not, they're not complaining about it, but they are hoping to uh, drive pilings this summer and start building next year. And we are hoping to be on the field by the end of next summer, Lord willing, um, if, if he provides for everything there and desires us to be there then. And our desire is then to help with the church building, get, that, get the building finished up and things like that, and then to... Uh, start working in the villages from there. The only transportation up there outside of the villages is a snow machine, boat, and airplane. Um, you're, those are pretty much your three options. Um, in the wintertime, you can drive down the, the river, depending on the one, um, to certain areas. They do, they do plow the river. It is uh, considered an ice road. It is uh, considered actually a state highway um, in the wintertime. In the summertime, it's uh, another form of a highway. But uh, it's... Uh, there, there is that option, but there's, that's only villages right on the river, and even some of those are still um, quite a drive. Um, even though it's a ice, you think of it being fairly smooth. Because it's so close to the ocean, the tide actually heaves the ice quite a bit. So the, uh, the edges of the river and stuff, they'll heave four or five feet just from the, the tide, tide shoving, the, shoving the ice up and it refreezing and, and different things of that nature. Um, so that being said, we will... Uh, watch the video, and then we will uh, go from there.
Hello, my name is Nathaniel Wasson, and this is my wife, Amanda, and our two children, Othniel and Evangeline. The Lord has called us to serve as missionaries to the Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta of Western Alaska. We are being sent out directly by our home church, Ottumwa Baptist Temple, in Ottumwa, Iowa. When most people think of Alaska, they picture vast mountain ranges, glaciers, snowy peaks, and beautiful forest. While much of Alaska does fit that description, one would not find any of those things in the YK Delta. Bethel, Alaska sits on a vast tundra, making it impossible for any traditional structures. Houses are built on what is called post and pad to allow the permafrost to stay frozen and avoid major shifting. Most people have to have their houses re-leveled at least once a year to avoid major shifts and cracks. About half of the city of Bethel has above ground city piping, while the other half is on tank water and sewer. The above ground piping makes it extremely susceptible to the freezing temperatures, often causing broken pipes. It is not uncommon for people to be out of water for several weeks or even until spring when it becomes warm enough for the pipes to be thawed and repaired. The Yupik people also rely heavily on subsistence living as part of their culture and survival. Hunting, fishing, trapping, and berry picking are very prevalent. We were able to firsthand witness all the hard work the people put into the salmon fishing, cleaning, and curing process. Nets are placed strategically in the river and once the salmon are caught, they are sorted, cleaned, and prepared for cutting. A special knife called the yulu is traditionally used to cut the thick salmon meat. Each fish is specifically cut to allow for optimal drying, hanging, and smoking. There is an art to the drying and smoking process, and most people have to tend the smokehouses at their fish camps constantly for at least a week until the fish is dried and smoked enough to achieve the right texture and flavor and to protect the precious salmon from the wildlife and weather. Muskox and moose are also hunted to provide meat and traditionally used to make warm winter clothes. Today, the muskox wool is very valuable commercially. Salmon berries, blueberries, blackberries, and cranberries are also picked, frozen, canned and preserved to provide nutrients through the long, dark winters. Bethel is off the road system, meaning there are no roads connecting it to any other town or place. Because of this, the only means of travel outside of Bethel is by boat, airplane, and snow machine. The town of Bethel in and of itself has a total of 16 miles of road, only 10 of which are paved. Because of the lack of roads, everything from a gallon of milk to building materials and gravel must be either barged or flown in. Due largely to the cost of freight, supplies and resources can be difficult to get and very expensive. Bethel and the surrounding villages are spiritually dark. The suicide rate is 14 times higher, fetal alcohol syndrome is two times higher, and accidental deaths are three times higher than the national average. This is mostly due to alcohol consumption. Alcohol is one of the leading causes of violent crimes. Jail sentences, 
preventable deaths and abuse among the Yupik people. While most people do not claim a main religion, Russian Orthodox, Moravian, and Catholicism are the most prevalent. A great challenge for the Yupik young people is that many have suffered abuse at an early age. This is in large part due to the terrible alcohol abuse problem in rural Alaska. This makes suicide, murder, and alcoholism seem trivial because they have no value, purpose, or meaning for the precious life God has given to them. Hi, my name is Bruce Claypool. I'm a pastor of uh, Bethel Independent Baptist Church, and behind me you can see part of the town of Bethel, Alaska. Uh, we have about 6,000 people here in the town of Bethel. We're the only Baptist church literally in the entire, uh, in the entire area. There's one other Baptist missionary in the YK Delta. Uh, the YK Delta has thousands of people uh, many uh, dozens of villages scattered across the YK, YK Delta. Very little, very little gospel preaching works going on in this part of the state. The need is tremendous. The area is vast. Uh, the spiritual darkness is severe. And there is a tremendous, tremendous need for spiritual workers in this part of the state of Alaska. Uh, because it's so logistically difficult to get to these places, there's just a real scarcity of laborers. Uh, there's a real scarcity of people willing to come out to places like this and carry the gospel message into these very difficult uh, and hard to reach places. So Nathaniel and Amanda uh, came out this week to help us with our vacation Bible school. And just in the uh, few days that they've been out here, uh, they've already been a tremendous help and a tremendous blessing to our church and to our family and to the people of Bethel. In the spring of 2023, after much prayer and counsel with our pastor, we could see the Lord beginning to lead us into the next step of our service to him. As we were praying and seeking direction, the Lord opened the door for our family to travel to Bethel, Alaska, and assist the Claypool family in their ministry. It was during this short time that the Lord made it very clear that he was leading us to become fellow laborers in the great need of reaching the lost in Bethel and the surrounding villages.
Right. So uh, you'll, you'll notice there in the, in the video, the cost of living up there is uh, very expensive. Um, and that's just largely because of where it is and what it takes to get supplies there. Um, so that is, that is one of the uh, substantial challenges of, of the area. Is it's just it very expensive. Very expensive and not, uh, it's not a metropolis area. Um, you know, 25,000 people in the, in the land mass almost the size of the state of Missouri. That's, uh, it's not huge, but you know what? I'm glad I was given the gospel, and uh, those people will be as well if they get saved. So uh, it's uh, a, very, a very needy place, a very, uh, very much in, in need of the gospel, but uh, definitely not uh, a place where there's just uh, millions and millions of people. But uh, nevertheless, um, you know, the Lord's not willing that any should perish. So... Um, do we have any questions? Jay, yes, sir. Jay, why don't you tell us a little bit about your spiritual background, your family, and the mandates of family. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, was, uh, I was born in uh, Michigan, Houghton-Hancock area. We moved to uh, South Dakota due to my dad's job when I was six. We, uh, were, I was raised in a Christian home. We went to church there due to some, uh, some circumstances and, and, and different things, not, uh, not everything I would agree with. Um, we, we largely only went to church Sunday morning. Um, we were driving about an hour, 10 or so to church. Um, just uh, different things of that nature. But uh, that being said, nothing, nothing against my parents. I wouldn't do things the same way necessarily, but that, that's beside the point. But, um, so I, I grew up in, a, in very much a Christian home. Not necessarily what I would prefer it to be sometimes. But, and that, that's not, please don't take that as an insult to my parents. But let's, let's move on. Um, so in, uh, the Lord uh, was working in my heart that uh, he would have me to be in the ministry. I was very much seeking his direction as a 13-year-old, very much uh, just uh, trying to figure out what the, what the will of the Lord was for my life because I figured if he had a will, I know he did, 
And I figured if I started preparing now, then maybe I would actually be uh, fit for the job. And so I was a very, very much seeking direction in that way. And the Lord just laid upon my heart very, very clearly that uh, he would have me to, uh, to preach the gospel, to uh, be, be uh, in the ministry of some form. I did not uh, know how, did not know where, did not know what that was going to involve. Um, but through, uh, through the process of time there, um, I just was not, uh, I knew I needed biblical education, but the Lord was just not, uh, not giving me the, the liberty to go to a college um, and get, uh, get training that way. And uh, about that time, my older brother married my wife's sister, and uh, I met uh, the pastor down there in Ottumwa, Iowa, and he was um, wanting to start a Bible institute. So um, I moved down, and he started a Bible institute. Um, we had several people there. Took four years of Bible institute, uh, me and my wife both. Um, graduated from that in 22, and um, have been... Uh, you know, just active in the church, serving the Lord, and uh, looking and, and seeking and desiring his direction. My wife, she was, she, their, her parents were missionaries in uh, Russia and uh, Belarus for 18 years. So she was uh, born in the States, went back to Russia when she was six months old, and grew up there until she was 14. Um, very much, uh, Russia is very, very similar to that part of Alaska, um, but she was uh, raised over there. Very, very good, solid uh, home there. Um, her father is the pastor of Atumble Baptist Temple now, our sending church. Um, so that's one of the connections there. I, uh, I moved down from the Bible Institute and uh, wound out with his daughter, so I feel like I got a good deal there. Um, so <laughs> my brother got the other one, so I don't know. But uh, so that is, that's a little bit of, of her history um, and, uh, and that. All right. Any questions? Yes, ma'am. Yes, so of the, of the 55 villages, what's the size is what she's asking. Um, they, they vary very, very much. Um, the small villages are, I believe, the smallest village that they classify as about 20 people. Usually they're about 200 to 12, 1,400 people somewhere in that, in that range. Um, some are a little bigger, some are a little smaller. It just depends on that. Yes, sir? Uh, the gentleman that spoke in there, the, is he a missionary? And how long has he been there? And do you intend to go back and start working with him? So yes, that is uh, Brother Claypool. He is currently, he went up as a missionary and he still is a missionary, but he's currently pastoring the church there in Bethel as well and has been for about five years. Um, he has been up there since 2004, I believe, 2005, somewhere in there. So he's been up there for almost 20 years or right in that neighborhood. Um, and our desire is to work with them, um, learn a lot off of them. He's been there for a while. He knows a lot of the, the do's and don'ts and how to, how to work with uh, some of the native people and, and different things, how to get into the, some of the villages and, and different things of that nature up, up there with that. So if, if that kind of answers that. Yes, ma'am. Uh, first of all, are you planning to get any kind of formal training, or formal training in some kind of mechanics or getting a pilot's license or anything for that practical part of your ministry? Um, that's the first question. The second question is, do you, does your, the church have or is planning to start 
any kind of addictions ministry for these people who have such many alcohol problems? So to, to answer the first question, I'm a diesel mechanic by trade. Um, I've been doing that for six years now. Um, they actually, I kind of put them in a little pickle when I left, but that's, that's it's all right. They'll, they'll figure it out. And uh, so, so very, very mechanically minded. Um, I've done carpentry all my life. Um, so in, in that aspect, I would say um, fairly, fairly suited for the job there. Um, we didn't always have a whole lot growing up, so we learned how to make do with what we had, which wasn't always much, which means you can manufacture tires, believe it or not, um, and, and different things. Um, so as far as the pilot's license, I do plan to get my pilot's license. I have not pursued that yet. I did when I was uh, 18. I started taking pilot's lessons, um, headed for my pilot's license, and the, the Lord just uh, laid it on my heart that it was not the thing to do. Um, and I, I believe it's because my focus was on, on flying, not on him. Um, that being said, he has, uh, he has brought it back up as a, very much a necessity now. So I do plan to get a pilot's license. Um, probably going to wait until we're there to do that. The uh, Brother Claypool does have a plane, um, which will make that much easier. Renting a plane is, is very expensive. Um, and then you have to uh, get an instructor on top of that and all the, all the things that go with that. As far as an, an addictions ministry, um, I'm not sure on that. I know there's, it's, it's somewhat of a struggle. They, they work very much with, uh, with the people, but uh, the, how do you want to put this? The, uh, there's often, often drunks that uh, interrupt the service and different things, and when they're, when there's, when they're intoxicated, there's just, there's nothing really you can do with them. Um, they're just, uh, they're rowdy, very rowdy. They're very, not just disruptive, but sometimes violent as well. Um, and so they're very much allowed in the service if they're um, content to be there. Um, he did have to escort a, a gentleman out here um, a month or so ago. Um, everything, was, everything was fine, but he was uh, totally out of it, totally out of it. And uh, they're also very... Um, um, moody people, shall we say, when they're drunk, because they will be totally going to kill you this minute and best buds 10 seconds from now. Um, and they're just in and out all the time like that when they're drunk. I don't know if that's normal, but it's especially the case up there. So they're, um, as far as working with, the, with the, uh, the other people, the best avenue he has found with that is through the kids. Get, get, uh, get to know the kids, and then um, you can... From that, get to know the parents and work with the parents um, with that. Yes, sir. What's the spiritual background of the native people? And then also, like when the twenties all winter, do the suicide rates tend to be higher? And how does that affect things? So the suicide rates absolutely are higher when it's uh, when it's dark all the time. Um, and the truth of the matter is, is it's very largely a lack of vitamin D. Um, it, it makes people very depressed, um, and they do, they do go up fairly substantially. Um, the spiritual background of the people, there isn't a lot. Um, a lot of people ask me what the native religion is. There isn't really one, um, which is odd. They've, they, the Catholics and uh, Russian Orthodox have been up there so long, they have pretty much just adopted it. Prior to that, I have no idea what there was. 
Um, but they've been up there for, for so long that everybody is either on paper Catholic, Russian Orthodox, or Moravian. Um, and way back in the day, they literally took the map and they just, they just drew it out. You are Catholic, you are Russian Orthodox, and you are Moravian. And that's what you are. You've probably never been to any of those churches, but that's what you are. And so that's what they claim, even though they don't even know what that is, um, primarily. And some of the villages are very anti-anything else. We are, we are Russian Orthodox. You are not welcome here. Most of them, that's not the case. They, they really don't care because they don't even know what that means. Yes, one at a time here. Before my question, a quick sidebar. When you were explaining the forms of transportation, I was anticipating you were going to be including dog sledding, but you didn't. No, that is a strictly um, a sport up there. Sure. But my question uh, has to do with those that are currently in church, attending church, and what is the ratio of those that are genuinely saved to those that are seeking, perhaps, or feel compelled to come? Uh, and, and those that are believers, how are they living out their Christian faith? So that's a very interesting question. Um, obviously, I don't know the heart of the people, but there is, um, I would say it's similar to, to, to any other church. Um, there, there is a lot of non-believers that do come, I think, um, but there's also a, a decent chunk of uh, believers, and there's, it's very interesting because Alaska, especially that portion of it, draws very interesting people. This is going to sound funny, but you can be weird and fit in there, okay, because everybody in that part of Alaska is weird in their own right. It's, it's true. You can, you can be very, very different and, and totally fit in because of the way of life, because of the difficulties and the different things. Um, so, for whatever that's worth, um, that being said, it, uh, it, it makes church interesting. Um, not, not, in a, not, in a, not in a bad way. Not, um, but uh, it, uh, it, it absolutely um, makes, makes it interesting. There's a, I, lost, I lost where I was going with this. I'm sorry, but uh, yes, it does. Yes, it does. It very much does. That's that, that's. Um, thank you for that because it it reminded me. But there's there's several people that they have been able to reach that had um, absolutely no spiritual background whatsoever, or very very limited spiritual background, and they get saved, and you work with them, and there's actually they've seen many many people that come from way off backgrounds. That, that grow and mature and, you know, come to what we would call a um, very much a useful vessel um, that, that could minister in, in the church and, and things of that nature. That being said, the, the church there in Bethel, and especially the one in Bethel, but up there in general, they ebb and flow because everybody there works on a contract for the government in one way or the other typically. So they work for the healthcare, or they work for the dentist, or they work for what they call the quarry, which is just where they stockpile rock, um, or they work for the city, or they're a police officer, or whatever. But just about everybody there is on a contract. So they're two weeks on, two weeks off, two months on, two months off, six months on, 
a year off, two years on, whatever the case may be. So you can have a really good group of people for a year or two, and the next year you've got half of it because their contract expired and they went back home. So it, it can be very difficult in that regard to get, to get stable families in the church. Yes, ma'am. One of my two, but the other one, and forgive me if I missed it, does everybody speak English there? I know it's in America, but does everyone speak English Yes, there? they do. So the native tongue would be Yupik, um, and the elders still speak that, and the young people speak some of that, but everyone is taught English, everyone is taught or speaks that. All the villages have uh, regular regular public schools. Um, the biggest, biggest building in any village is typically the school, um, and... How many people graduate? I'm not sure on that, but they all attend school at least somewhat. Yes. Um, as far as technology up there for cell phones and TV and how affected is their culture like it is here with all the <laughs> transgender and all that? That's a very good question. Um, Bethel, very, very much so. Thanks to Obama, there is uh, cell phones everywhere up there now. He, uh, he saw fit that all of Alaska needed, needed cell phones, so they now have all of that technology um, for what that's worth. Um, Bethel is very liberal. Um, during COVID, it was especially bad. The Board of Director, the Health in Bethel and the mayor were lesbians together, um, which means Bethel was absolutely a disaster because they just, they honestly killed a lot of people, a lot of the elderly people and things like that because it was total lockdown. Um, you could not leave your house. You could not do anything. So a lot of the elders and things couldn't get treatments at the hospital. They couldn't get their medicines. They couldn't get anything like that, and it just killed them. Um, so Bethel is very liberal. There is actually a um, what is that church? Which one? Presbyterian, yes, that flies the trans flag in Bethel. Um, very, very liberal. The villages, not so much because they're primarily native, and the natives don't care, for lack of better. Um, they, they have bigger problems in life to worry about, I think, than uh, the gender thing. Um, than LGBTQ plus alphabet soup. Um, they, they just, they, they don't care. It's, you know, traditionally, definitely wasn't that way for the, for the natives. And they, you know, they have not, uh, not picked it up. They have not got to that level of uh, debauchery. Yes, sir. Um, how are you called Alaska? Um, it was through uh, Brother Claypool. He was at our missions conference in 2018, and the Lord really sparked my attention with it. And then um, in the spring of uh, 23, he, uh, the Lord really started uh, bringing it up, moving that, uh, showing us it was time to, time to move on to, uh, to uh, move into the ministry f more full-time. Prior to that, I had worked at the church um, for a year as um, assistant to the pastor, and just due to uh, church finances and things, I, had, I went back to work after that. Um, and was uh, working as a diesel mechanic again, the, sa the same job there for um, about a year and a half after that, and it was just due to uh, the church's finances and things there. Um, and the Lord was re really just uh, um, 
shaking things up a bit and letting us know it was, uh, it was time for us to uh, move on. And he was spe specifically pointing us um, to Alaska. So when we went up in uh, the end of June, we were up there for about two weeks. He just, uh, through, that, through that trip and things, made it very clear that's where he would have us to, to go. Buying a house there, or how's that work up there? We plan to buy a house. Um, everything, as far as housing, is extremely expensive either way, but we do plan to buy a house. Um, cheap houses, last I looked, and I haven't looked for a couple weeks now, um, about an 800-square-foot house was running about $325,000. Um, but to rent a house, you're looking at about twenty-two to twenty-six, twenty-eight hundred a month. Um, so it's, it's far cheaper to... Uh, pay a mortgage than it is to uh, give somebody money. Um, and real estate up there is a very, very solid investment um, because it's, it's in fairly high demand because everybody is moving in and out. So it's a, it's a fairly safe investment, which, I mean, it is most places, but especially there because there's not a lot of it available. Um, so if you do get a, a decent house or, or a, a junky house and fix it up, then there's fairly guaranteed uh, return on your investment. Any others? On the stilts, basically, what kind of, uh, that truck that had the lumber in it, what kind of heat sources if you have such long winters? Is that like natural gas piped in along with this water system? Uh, fuel oil is the primary heat source. Um, other than wood stoves. Many, many people burn wood stoves, which there's no actual timber in Bethel, so you have to fish, fish it out of the, uh, the river in the spring when it washes down. Um, so that's, that's one means a lot of people use. Um, the other is uh, fuel oil. It used to be propane, but propane is much harder to transport, a lot more expensive up there, so it's primarily fuel oil now. Um, and you can still get some propane, but uh, for example, one of those little, I think they're 15, 15 pound grill tanks, is about 200 bucks, 225 bucks of propane. Yes, sir. So, most of the stuff I saw was uh, something <coughs> shot or fished out of the river or something. So. In, in Bethel there, they don't actually have dirt. As weird as that sounds, they have one deposit of uh, basically silt in the center of town. Um, so if you're going to build a house or something, you have to haul in three or four feet of that, let it set for about two years, level it out again, and then uh, you can build on top of that. So growing things in that area doesn't work well at all, partly because of the permafrost, partly because of the lack of dirt. Um, so people do grow things in, in greenhouses and raised beds. Um, but that's primarily it. Um, the, the permafrost in that area, it's, it's uh, moss. It's basically this, it's the exact same moss they, they dry out and burn in Greenland um, for fuel over there. But they don't do that in Alaska. I'm not sure why. But uh, it looks all nice and pretty and green. You walk out there, you'll sink ankle, knee deep, um, just depending. It's, it's pretty mush. Um, and it's thawed out to usually about three or four feet, depending on the summer. And then you hit frost, and the frost is, I'm not sure how deep. I asked several people, and nobody was really sure. The city water is on uh, wells. There's three wells, and that's where all the city water is from. 
but those wells are below the permafrost. So I was trying to figure out how deep the wells are, and, and nobody had a good answer for me. Yes, ma'am. Sometimes the water pipes break, and then they were without water for months. So where do they get the water? <laughs> so at the at the water plants, there's two water plants. Um, you can you can haul your own water, just like the the city trucks do. Um, everybody that's on tank water, I shouldn't say everybody that's on tank water either hauls their own water or they pay the city to haul it for them. Um, and there is uh, hookups at the at the water treatment plant that you can uh, you can just fill your own tanks. So those. 350-gallon square tanks, um, people will, will fill up and haul them home and, and things like that. So, all right. If you have any other questions, I'd, I'd love to talk to you about it. Just uh, talk to me in the back after service or, or wherever, and uh, it's, uh, it's good to be here. And I also would say I very, very much appreciate the, uh, the Missions House. It is a huge blessing, and it is a very nice place. So thank you. couple minutes for some testimonies. Uh, take a green hymnal. We'll turn to him 397 in the green hymnals. 397 in the harvest field now ripen. There's a work for all to do. Little is much when God is in it. 397 on the first stanza. for some testimonies and uh, trust that the Lord gave you some divine appointments and some opportunities to witness and the testimony you have for tonight. Who will be first tonight? Okay, uh, Aaron. Um, I just really wanted to say to uh, the men's choir that uh, that came out on uh, Friday night, um, it was really a blessing to have them there. I know uh, the the leadership uh, for the Wisconsin National Guard. I don't think anyone's ever heard um, really just uh, the national anthem sung like that. It was you could tell the the purity in the notes and just the the clarity. It just was such a, a phenomenal uh, testimony for the church and just the the music ministry. And then just uh, wanted to say thank you to Pastor John as well. He uh, he uh, prayed and provided an invocation that, again, was uh, a heartfelt, uh, genuine um, example of the gospel. And, uh, you know, I just really, really appreciate uh, all the men and all those that prayed. And uh, just uh, excited to see that the testimony and what that does uh, there and uh, in the National Guard. So thank you very much. Amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, congratulations on your promotion to full colonel. Amen. And uh, a great delight for the Lord in that place. Amen. Okay. Uh, yes, Kathy, great to have you folks back from sunny Florida. 
and wherever else. So um, you could say, like I've said sometimes about how our Babsa circles are small when you're traveling things. And we went to a, we were looking up and we went to a church, uh, Northport Baptist Church. And we walked up the pastor and the assistant pastor are out there greeting everyone at the door. <laughs> and he said, where are you from? And we said, Wisconsin. And he goes, oh, Brother King told me you were coming. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And he said, not to preach and not be boring or something like that. But it was just like how small our circles are. And we went back to that church the next week again because we enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, unfortunately, we could not get Craig's mom to come to church with us. Mm. So hopefully when she comes back north, we'll have her back here again. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Who else has testimony you want to share tonight? Okay, Micah. Do you have a picture of that men singing? Can you put it on the screen? It was a blessing uh, to have Kids Club this Friday night, and we are crunched for time just because we are coming back from singing at that ceremony for Brother Goljinski. But I... Uh, we made it back and run about 15 minutes late, and we're picking up all these kids for Kids Club, and we get to some of the stops, and we had like four extra kids at this one stop. Amen. And uh, it was just a blessing because uh, there's two kids there, first-time visitors, I thought, at least they hadn't been there for a while, a couple, like six or seven years. And one of the girls actually used to come about seven years ago, didn't even recognize her, asked her if she had been there, and she said, yeah, when I was younger. And come to find out, she was a girl that rode the bus about seven years ago with her family. And it's an unfortunate situation that she's in right now, uh, but it was just amazing to see her come. Maybe Emily will say more, but uh, just a tender heart. Emily wants to get together with her grandma. Another young man that came, uh, he came six, seven years ago with his brothers on the bus, and he was back again. Uh, it was just a, kind of a, a neat thing to see God work, and a, a number of the young people just really had tender hearts and open, were open to the message. One of the young boys asked, I think it was Matthew, during the message, how could Jesus, if he died 2,000 years ago, how could Jesus have died for all of our sins? Something like that. And so he was wondering how he could have died for people that were going to live in the future. And it was just neat to see the wheels turning in his mind and God working in his heart. So just continue to pray for these young people, uh, that God would bring many of them to salvation. We need to see these families saved. So it's just a blessing to see God working and uh, using Kids Club. Amen. Faithful workers, faithful workers over the years, over the years. That's what the ministry is all about, just keeping faithful, doing the little work for that, uh, and the work can just keep on going. Amen. Okay, Emily. Um, it just thrilled my heart to see these two children come back, and I've thought of these children so many times, and they moved away, lost contact with them, and then to see them walk through the doors 
so many years later, just my heart was so thrilled. And just last week, the Lord had burdened my heart for this boy, Austin. And it was a family, one of the first contacts through Matt Garcia. He first introduced us to Matt, Josh, and Austin. And they were some of our first bus contacts so many years ago. And they would come. They were so thrilled to come. They were sweet boys. And I remember just praying so much for them that God would save them and that they would go into the ministry. And last week, I was burdened. I was just at home, and they came to my mind. I prayed for them. And then um, he showed up at Kids Club, and I said something to Matthew Roberts. Look who came. And he said, I just prayed for them yesterday. So here we haven't had contact with these boys for so many years, but um, God orchestrated that and brought him back. So if you could pray for Austin, I know God is not finished there. Hmm. And it was just, wow, such a thrill. And then this little girl, Ella, all her siblings are farmed out to different homes. Um, her mom is in jail, and it's just so sad. But yet mm. God wants to rescue her. And the whole verse time, really, instead of memorizing verses, I was just talking with Ella and Zaniah and um, just catching up with Ella. She was so sweet and just so hungry for spiritual things and had so many fond memories. And just to see that our labor is not in vain in the Lord and that these truths and the scripture and the love that was poured into them so many years ago, it is bearing fruit even now. Hmm. Amen. Amen. Okay. Yes, Leah. On that note, I appreciate those kids club workers, <clears throat> well, those kids, but I was at the nursing home today. There's an 80 or 90 year old lady, I'm sure. Her name is Rose. And she's been to the service a couple times, but I'd love to get her out more. But um, she, in talking with her today, she said that as a kid, she grew up in Rockford, Illinois, and her friend who went to a Baptist church there invited her to come because she'd get a pen if she brought a visitor. So um, Rose came as her visitor, and it must have been that week that she attended, from what I could understand, uh, like a vacation Bible school, and um, she learned John 3.16. And so we quoted it together, and... Mm. She's grown up Catholic, so Catholic, you know, just thinks the rituals of all this. And I said, but listen to what that says. It says to believe, you know, believe on what? And, you know, she was like, wow, I'm so confused now, you know. But that little bit of truth that she had as a child, one week maybe it was, maybe just a couple days, um, has lived in her mind and has given seedbed for now in the 80s and 90s to receive truth. Amen. Praise God for that pen. Amen? Yeah. Got a soul to hear the word of God. All right. Good. Anyone else have a testimony want to share? Okay. Hey, do you have that picture? I thought we'd show this picture. There's the, there's the men, men sit, uh, at the uh, National Guard uh, ceremony for the promotion of uh, Brother Gelzinski. And uh, praise the Lord that uh, they can be there. All right. Oh, there's a, and there's the swe swearing in, right? All right. Congratulations, man. All right, you can turn back to 397 in the green hymnals, hymn 300, 
97. Let's go ahead and stand, please, and we'll sing the second and third stanzas, 293 on the second and, sorry, 397 on the second and third. Does the place you're called to Oh. 
If you would, turn your Bibles to uh, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, give me the words to speak, Lord. Help each and every one of us to, to take something from your word. Help each and every one of us to apply it to our lives, Lord. Lord, we, we, we all need different things um, for each and every one of us. I pray that you would just uh, work individually, work in our hearts and lives. Help us, Lord, to apply what we hear tonight. Help us to uh, live differently by it. And help us not to, uh, not to leave the same way we came in, Lord, but uh, help us to be changed. Help us to improve. Help us to walk closer to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So you see here in verse 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Very, very common verse. Very familiar verse. I hope to all of us. We've probably used it witnessing to people. Verse 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher. When I was seven, I realized that I was lost. I was on my way to hell. And, you know, I had a misunderstanding. I thought that, you know, as a seven-year-old, I thought, I will take and I will continue living my life this way. I will go to hell. I will try it out. And if I don't like it, if it's really as bad as they say, I'll just get out. It'll be okay. Okay? Don't know why I had that idea. I hadn't been taught that, but I had that idea. And you know, the Lord worked in my heart, and I realized, you know, if I go to hell, it's too late. If I go to hell, there's no getting out. If I go to hell, it's over. That's right. And, you know, I realized that day that I was lost. I was on my way to hell, and I went and asked my mother how to be saved. And, you know, she took, she took the Bible. She showed me from the Word of God how that I could trust Jesus Christ as my Savior, how that he had already made the payment. All I needed to do was trust him. And, you know, that day I turned to Christ and I got saved. But how did I know that I needed to be saved? It's because I heard the word of God, right? It's because I had grown up in church. I had heard the gospel I don't know how many times. I would heard it many, many times. I knew it very much. But I had not believed it. And, you know, verse 14 how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? It just makes sense that we cannot believe something we've never heard. We cannot believe something that has never crossed our mind before. That just That's logical. That makes sense. You know, many of us perhaps took geometry in school. And perhaps didn't enjoy it. I enjoyed geometry. Sorry. But um, a lot of people didn't enjoy geometry. My wife enjoyed geometry. She didn't do very well in it, but she enjoyed it. Um, my brother, one enjoyed it. One hated it. 
What does this have to do with anything? It's worthless. Well, in construction, you have to square a building, right? And you know you learn how to do that in geometry, right? Um, you, it's, you are taught things, and you know those things don't seem to have a purpose. But with application, they're very helpful. They're very useful. And, you know, you can't believe that you can square a building through geometry if you've never done it, perhaps. You can. I've done it. Okay? But if you've never heard the gospel, why would you believe that there's a God that loves you? If you've never heard the gospel, if you've never heard of Jesus Christ, why would you believe that there's a God that loved you enough to die for you? Why would you believe that? You know, you're not just going to wake up one morning and go, yeah, I think there's a God out there somewhere and he loves me and he died for me. No, that's not the way it works. You know, you have to hear it to understand it, to believe it. Let's go over to Mark chapter 16. I want to look at a couple things and we will get back to this. Mark chapter 16. Probably you're not going to hear anything that you've never heard before tonight, but hopefully it's something that is uh, helpful. You know, if you've, if you've read the Bible all the way through, you, you never hear something in the Bible that you haven't already heard before either. I mean, right. if, if you've actually read the Bible. But uh, verse 15, Mark chapter 16, verse 15, the Bible says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, as a seven-year-old boy, I got saved there. And I'm so thankful for Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful that he saved me. If I was not saved, I don't know where I would be today. But I know this. I wouldn't be here. I know this. You wouldn't want to know me, probably. Because sin leads down its own road. And it's a road of destruction. But I'm glad that I got saved. I'm glad that I heard the gospel. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, who is, who is that commanded to? Who is supposed to go? Who is supposed to tell? It's Christians, right? Let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You know, the lost people are not good soul winners. That, that seems logical because they don't believe it, right? They, they, have, no, they have no reason to be a soul winner at all. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, the Bible says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. It's talking there to Christians. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. You know, God could have printed on the palm of everybody's hand, Jesus saves. He could have put it on their forehead backwards so that when they look in the mirror, it reads right. Jesus saves. But he did not choose to do that. How did he choose to send forth his message? How did he choose to spread the gospel? It's through Christians. It's through his ambassadors. What's an ambassador? It's someone who represents someone to someone else, right? Typically, it's an individual that represents a government to another government. We have an ambassador in our church. When, he, when, he's, uh, when he's home. Um, and he represents one government to another government. Now, I have a question. If 
an ambassador talks to this one government, and this government says, we like your policies, we think they're great, keep it up. And then he goes to the other government that that was aimed towards, and he says, we think your policies are terrible. They're not going to work. If you keep it up, it's going to be bad. What's going to happen? Well, potentially a war. He's certainly not speaking the truth. He's a lying ambassador. He is a false representative. You see that? And you know, if we claim the name of Christ, we claim we're Christians, we claim we're saved, we claim we believe the Bible, but we live in filth, we live in sin, we live apart, then what are we doing? We're a lying ambassador, right? We're not representing Christ as Christ desires to be represented. We're representing Christ as we find convenient. We're representing Christ mingled with the world. We're representing Christ falsely. That's not what he wants. You see, how does the world see Christ? It's through Christians. And you know, Christians doesn't mean that just, it doesn't just mean that you're saved. It means Christ-like. And do we actually, do we live that? Because the world has no other way to see Christ. They can read the Bible, and they can see it through reading it, but through everyday life, the world will not see Christ if it is not through Christians. Because that is who Christians are to represent. Let's go to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. The Bible says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. You see here, God's desire is to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's go over to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. You see, verse 17, God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned. Christian, if you're saved today, you're not condemned. And that's a great thing. But it doesn't stop there. It continues on and it says, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. If you're here today and you're lost and you're not saved, you need to do nothing but die to go to hell. The only thing between you and an eternity in hellfire is your life. If you die without Christ, you will spend an eternity in hell. There's no escape. There's no door out. There's no back door. There's no getting out. 
you will burn forever. But according to Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. But according to the second half of verse 18 in John chapter 3, he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You know, would you say that Christians are a majority or a minority in this world? I would say they're a minority, by far. But that is not God's intent. That is not God's will. He's come to seek and to save that which was lost. But what is his method in doing that? What is his plan to seek? What is his plan for those people to hear? It's through Christians. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. You see, verse 18 Christians are not condemned, but those without Christ are already condemned. All that hangs between them and hell is their life. But that's not God's will. It's not God's plan that they die without Christ. It is God's intent, it's God's plan that they get saved. It's God's intent, it's God's plan that they turn to Christ and that they are not condemned. But his method, Christian, is you and I. His method is Christians who are witnessing. His method is Christians who are seeking the lost. You know, an atheist man once said that if I believed in a God that hated sin as much as yours, how much would I have to hate someone to not tell them the gospel? And you know, sometimes we get busy in life, and I'm sure we're all guilty of it at least some point or another. We get busy in life, we get moving on something, and you know, we write it off. They don't want to hear it today. I'm too busy. I don't have time. What's it matter? They're not going to want it anyways. And we belittle the need of witnessing. We belittle that soul's value. But you know, God so loved all the world. You know, I'm glad that I got saved. I'm glad that he saved me. I assume you're glad of the same. And you know, that individual would be as well if they got saved. How are they supposed to know that Christ loves them if they've never heard it? How are they supposed to know that there's a God in heaven that desires their soul if they've never heard that. You know, the, the world is not telling the world how to be saved. Christians must tell the world how to be saved. I want to look at an example of this in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Verse 30, Acts chapter 8, verse 30. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. 
He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. You know, oftentimes we hand someone a, a gospel track, and, and please don't misunderstand me. I think those are excellent tools. I think they definitely plant seeds. But we write it off that we witness to this individual because we handed them a gospel track. But you see here, here's a man. He had the word of God. He had a portion of the scripture right there in his hand. But it made no sense to him. He read it. But it made no sense to him. Verse 30, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? You know, oftentimes the lost people, they do not understand spiritual things. Why? Because they're lost. But you know, this is one thing that they can absolutely see, and that's a Christian's testimony. One thing they can absolutely see and they do not ever have to doubt, is how you live and why you live that way. You know, one thing I've noticed is finishing up there at, uh, at work as a diesel mechanic, I've had more customers come to me and tell me I'm out of my mind for desiring to go to Alaska. People I did not even know were paying attention to my life, asking me what I was doing, where I was going, why I was leaving. You know, people are always watching us. People who we don't necessarily realize are watching us. The person you meet every week at the gas station, the different ones we come into contact with, they're watching us. Why? Because hopefully they see something different in your life. Hopefully they see something peculiar in a good way in your life. Now, they don't have to wonder about that. They can see it. They can always watch. And you know, Christians oftentimes, the biggest thing that slanders the name of Christ are Christians that fall. Why? Because someone is watching. Someone who knows that you aren't supposed to be that way. Someone who knows that you're not supposed to be like that. They may be like that, but they know you're not. And they're watching. And they're watching. But here's a man. Here's a man who had the word of God, but he did not understand it until someone expounded upon it, until someone explained it to him. Verse 35, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Now we understand this man had the Old Testament. He did not have the New Testament here. We understand that. But he did not understand it until someone preached it to him. Let's go back to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Verse 14, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Our desire is to, in Alaska, to 
give people the gospel so that they can hear, is to be a witness to people there. But you know, many, many of those places, many, many of those communities, those villages, they have no gospel witness in them. There is no known saved individual in many of those places. And you know, without the light of the gospel, they're not going to get saved. Without someone there to be a witness, they're not going to turn to Christ. You know, I believe if they, if they truly seek and desire God, that God will make himself known to them. He will send a messenger to them. But what about all those villages, all those people with no witness? Do we expect that they're going to wake up one day and just decide to trust Christ, who they've never heard of, who they cannot believe because they've never heard? That seems foolish. But, you know, I wonder, who do you come in contact with who's never heard? I know door knocking in a tumble, we've run into more and more and more people who you say, I want to tell you about Jesus, and they say, who's that? More and more people who say they're followers of Norse. They're Norsemen. Such an odd pagan religion. They have no concept of who God is. They have no concept of the truth. And you know, those people will never turn to Christ without first hearing the truth. Those, those villages in Alaska will never turn to Christ. Those individuals will never turn to Christ without first hearing it. But the people you come into contact with, perhaps they don't know. You come into contact with people that I will probably never meet. People that I will never see. Do they know the gospel? Have they heard it? Have they seen it in your life? You know, we continue on here in verse 15, and it says, How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Our desire is, is to start a church in a village there, and in time, it would be great if the Lord would allow us to see a native man come out of that church in the ministry. But you know, it will never be possible if they do not first hear. You see there in verse 14, How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Unless they hear, unless they believe, unless they are sent, they will never come out of there into the ministry. The native people will never go to their own people, go perhaps somewhere else, if they do not first hear. That seems logical enough, but how will they hear without a preacher? How will they hear without a witness? They, they need a witness. As the, as the area there is very dark, so it is across much of America, it's quickly darkening. The light of the gospel is not uh, as known as it was. There was a day when most people knew who Jesus was. And they knew Jesus had died on a cross. We live in a day where that's not common knowledge anymore. 
for many, many people. Many, many people don't know why that even is that he did that or don't even know that he did that. And who's going to tell them? Who's going to tell them? Are Christians going to tell them? Or are Christians going to watch and expect them to tell themselves? Because they're not going to. They're not going to hear amongst themselves. I want to look at an example of this. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Verse 26. Luke chapter 8, verse 26. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him with a loud voice, said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For oft times it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters. And he brake the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there an herd of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. You see here, here's a man, he's possessed with devils. He's living in the tombs. He wear no clothes, the Bible says. That's not normal. People don't normally live in tombs. People don't normally run around without clothes unless you're in modern-day America. But it's not normal. You see, the devil here was not satisfied with trying to destroy this man initially. It says in another place that he cut himself. He was living in the tombs. The devil here was not satisfied because he lost the victory. Jesus commanded the devils there to come out of the man. You see in verse 33, then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. You see, verse 32, they besought him not to send them out. And they, Verse 31, I'm sorry. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. They said, Lord, don't send us away empty-handed. God, don't let us go. Don't command us to go into the deep. Let us go in the swine. And these devils, they entered into the swine, and what do they, those swine immediately do? They're destroyed. They ran down a steep place and were choked in the lake. The devil was not satisfied with losing one victory. The devil always seeks destruction. You can follow him. Maybe it's fun today, but you'll pay. You'll pay. There's coming a time when you will pay. And you know, you can suffer for the cause of the devil as he seeks to destroy you. Or you can live for a righteous, holy God and maybe suffer a little too. But you know, the Bible teaches us that there's a reward in heaven for us. You know, we can suffer 
for the devil and burn in hell for all eternity if you're not saved. Or you can suffer for the cause of Christ and live in heaven in glory and splendor. Tell me, which sounds like a better option? Heaven does. Seems very logical. But you know, many, many people think sin is fun. Many, many people find it pleasurable. And it is for a season, the Bible says. But payday will come. And you see here, these devils, they were not satisfied with one lost victory. They immediately asked uh, Jesus here to enter into these swine, into these pigs. And they immediately destroy those pigs as they sought to do to that man. And if you serve the devil, he will destroy you. Lust, when it hath finished, bringeth forth death. You know, we have a choice. Who are we going to serve? But let's continue reading here. Verse 35. Verse 34, I'm sorry. Then they that fed them saw what was done. They fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. You notice there when, when this man got a hold of Jesus, his life changed. All of a sudden, he's not running around naked. He's clothed and in his right mind. That's a change. You know, God seeks to make a change in our lives. He seeks to make a difference. He doesn't desire to save us and keep us the same. It's to change us. But let's continue on here. Verse 36. They also which saw it told them by what means he that was possessed of the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them. But they were taken with great fear. And he went into the ship and returned back again. And the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house, and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published through the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. You know, this man, he gets a hold of Jesus, and Jesus didn't just immediately just take him to heaven. He left him there, but notice what he commanded him. Verse 39, return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. Here you have one man who God commanded to go show how great things God has done unto thee. And he obeyed. He obeyed God here. And you notice that in verse 40, and it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him. For they were all waiting for him. You have one man that obeyed. One man that witnessed as God commanded him to witness. And it says the people were all waiting for him. That's Jesus when he came back. And you know, if we do not witness to anyone, we cannot expect anyone to get saved. If we do not witness to anyone, we cannot expect people to turn to Christ. You know, we looked at it a little bit ago. What is the method that God chose to use to reach the lost? It's through Christians. It's through his ambassadors. It's through those that are to represent him. 
accurately. And here's a man who did just that. And the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. You know, if that man had just gone home and minded his own business, do you think those people would have been gladly waiting to receive him when he came back? No. No. But here's a man who took Jesus at his word. He took him literally, and he obeyed. And he went to his friends, to his family, to his house, and he told how great things Jesus had done unto him. You know, Jesus had made a very, very remarkable difference in this man's life. He went from living in tombs to seeking to destroy himself, possessed with devils, to a witness of Jesus Christ. What a contrast. What a difference. But he obeyed Jesus Christ. He followed him. And because of this man's witness, the people were all waiting to receive him. I'm not saying that if you witness to one person that the whole town of Maquanago is going to get saved. But you know what? No one is going to get saved if you do not witness. No one is going to get saved by your testimony, by your life, by your witness if you do not witness. Because how shall they believe? How shall they hear without a preacher? Let's go back to Romans chapter 10 there. Romans chapter 10. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Verse 14. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I want you to look at verse 1 of chapter 10 there. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. You know, you have the Catholics, the, uh, the Russian Orthodox, many, many false religions. And what is the problem with them? Verse 3 sums them up. They, being ignorant of God's righteousness, perhaps willfully, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. They have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. But let's look at verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Here you have Paul, and his desire is that Israel might be saved. What is your desire tonight? What is your desire? Is it wealth? Is it sports? Is it fame? What is it? You know, oftentimes, we can get our desire off on something. Perhaps not even something that's wrong in and of itself, but in the wrong place, it's wrong. In the wrong focus, it's wrong. You know, we all have to have finances to live. We, all, we, we understand that. We all have to have money. Groceries don't, uh, don't buy themselves. Houses don't pay for themselves. But if that is our focus in life, is our focus not misplaced? If that is our desire in life, 
is great wealth, is it not a wrong desire? What is your desire? What is your heart's desire? Because the Bible also teaches that where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. And you know, if our desire is off on something, then quite likely our focus in life will be off as well. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. What is your desire tonight? Is it to see the lost one? To see Christians grow? To see Christians mature? Or is it to see gain? Is it to see wealth? Or whatever else? Is it some other distraction? Or is it what God desires for us? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, how it applies to each and every one of us. Lord, there's nothing new here tonight, Lord. But I pray that you would just work in our hearts, Lord. Help us to be the Christians you would have us to be. Help us to be the witnesses you would have us to be. Do not lose focus, Lord, of what you would have us to focus on. Lord, your, your word is full of truths, and sometimes we, we overlook them. Sometimes we don't focus on them, Lord. But, Lord, I pray that you would just help us tonight. Help us, Lord, to have a desire for the, to see the lost saved. Help us to have a desire to live our lives as you would have us to so that we can be a light. We can be a true ambassador for you. I pray, Lord, that you would just help us in these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The only thing that you have to do if you're unsaved to go to hell is die. That's all you got to do. If you're unsaved, all you have to do is die, and you'll be right in hell. That's pretty sobering. And tonight, if you're not saved, you need to turn to Jesus Christ and turn from your sin and turn to him to be as your Savior, and only you can do it. So if you're not saved tonight, um, I hope you got that message. On the other hand, um, the other message is very plain. They can't believe on him whom they've not heard. And uh, uh, if we don't tell them, who will? I just speak to your heart about being the witness that you ought to be, and speak to you about being saved. The invitation is for you. Let's stand as we sing. What's the number? All right, 401 in the green hymnals. Set my soul afire, Lord. 401.
don't know how to be saved, and they won't know unless someone witnesses to them. But the fact is, we've been reminded of there's a place in the Yukon and Alaska, people living up there, and uh, many of them have never, ever heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's a world that there are many, many places where people have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And maybe uh, God is speaking to your heart. It all starts, in many cases, in this case, it starts by a person giving their life to God. <laughs> Say, God, I will do what you want me to do. I'll be a vessel. Here's my life. Lead me in the path. And uh, there's a, maybe a region of the world that God would lead you to that has never heard of Jesus Christ and the plan of salvation. And God will speak to your heart right there in that pew. God will speak to your heart about giving your life to be a servant of God, to be a gospel messenger. And uh, you need to make your life a living sacrifice. Tell God, surrender your life. Lord, I'll be that witness. I'll be that, I'll be that instrument. I'll give my life to you. As we close in prayer, maybe you need to pray that prayer right now before the Lord. Let's close as we um, close the service. Lord, we thank you tonight for the word of God. We thank you for the clear message. I pray for those who are here tonight that aren't saved. Lord, might that startling fact just um, startle their soul and in an overwhelming way that all they have to do to go to hell is die. Lord, startle them into action. We pray that, Lord, that you'll use this message in all of our lives to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before you go, would you, Nathaniel uh, and Amanda, go on back to your table, okay? Thank you for being here. And uh, don't forget that offering plate at the back of the auditorium. It's a love offering for our missionaries. And uh, um, certainly we know that all the effort that they're going to put in will be in vain unless God's people pray for them. All right, you are dismissed.